Join me in prayer if you would. Father, thank you so much for this morning. We have come to rejoice. We thank you for the choir leading us in this time of worship. And Father, we look forward to joining together as a congregation to lift our voices with the meaning of the words that we sing as an aroma of praise to you because you are the only one that deserves the glory and the praise. And so, Father, I pray we can move everything else out of our minds, all the concerns that we have, the needs, because, Father, we know that through the course of this service and through your message uh, from your word that you're going to speak to us that will meet and speak to the needs in our lives. We thank you for caring for us. You showed that ultimately through Jesus Christ. His coming, his teaching, his healing, his death on the cross, and his resurrection, his ascension sitting at your right hand, Father, one of these days coming back to take us home. You have provided for us in every way. God, I pray that we'll listen to you, that we will respond, and we will give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We appreciate you taking the time and the opportunity. And if by chance you have not filled out one of our guest cards yet, there is one in the pew in the uh, in front of you, if you just take that, fill it out its entirety. When you get ready to leave today, just put it in one of our offering boxes because we would like to reach out to you this next week by a letter, um, maybe by somebody, drop and buy a coffee cup, uh, just to let you know that we appreciate you being here. So if you could do that, I would appreciate it. Also, in your bulletin, you will see a church survey form. We'd love for you to take the opportunity to fill those out and have them in Bible study. They were sent to you, many of you, by email this week. And we would love your responses back. There are baskets at the back of our worship center for you to drop those off. We'd like to get those today if possible. And if you go to one of our lobbies, you could just drop it at one of the tables there. We would certainly appreciate that. We always want to be listening and hearing about things that we could make worship and the ministers of this church even better. And God speaks to all of us, so we'll look forward to that very thing. So if you would join me as we continue our time of worship and celebration. I'd ask you to stand and let's sing to the glory of God. Oh! 
Good morning. It's great to see everyone here this morning. Join with me as we pray. Father, we're so grateful to be here this morning in your house and to hear the word that you have the pastor bring to us, that our Bible study leaders brought to us this morning, Lord. We pray that your word does not leave this house unproductive. Father, you have blessed us with so many riches. There are really too many to count. We're here in this beautiful land, and you are here as well. We thank you, Father, for this time together. We pray for those who are unable to be with us this morning, Lord. For those that are ill, we ask your blessings on them, Father. Be with us throughout this day. Be with the pastor now as he brings your message, and may our ears hear what you have to say. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of Stand, stand, stand in all of you. Oh, 
do that again and let's sing it a cappella. He is Our scripture reading for this morning is from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 37. Please follow along either in your Bible or on the screen. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he, they died. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called Sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went out. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. And let us remember, these are the words of the Lord.
Helen and Miss Nancy, thank you so much. How great thou art. Amen. Amen. About three years ago, our family went to an escape room. How many of you know what an escape room is? How many of you been? Okay, I saw one. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> an escape room is uh, a place that uh, you go into an immersive 60-minute adventure. You go through and you try to, uh, as a family or a group, you try to discover different puzzles and try to solve those puzzles. And as you solve one puzzle, it leads you to the next puzzle, to the next puzzle, to the next puzzle, until ultimately you find the place that unlocks the door and you're free. It was kind of fun, and I'm sure glad the rest of the family was there because I'm not that good at puzzles. <laughs> but every single one of those revealed the next clues to where you could go to the next step. And when you completed that step, it revealed the next clue. I believe that when we think about the revelation of the Messiah, God's revelation from the beginning of creation to the point of the fulfillment of the Lord Jesus Christ, he revealed one clue at a time through the course of history that continued to build this understanding of who the Messiah was and his character. Throughout the Old Testament, we find those clues. We, we get a, a bit of an understanding about who this Messiah, the Deliverer, is going to be. Then we came through 400 years of God not speaking until the ultimate fulfillment when Jesus Christ was born. The revealing that God gave helped us to understand. Obviously, it's easier for us because we reflect back on all the revelation that he has given through the Old Testament, through the understanding from the eyes of the New Testament writers as well. If you had been in the Old Testament, it was a little bit harder. You would be desiring and knowing that this, this Messiah, this Deliverer was going to come. And generation after generation, they looked for those clues, for the character, for God revealing. There were over 300 prophecies, individual prophecies that Jesus Christ fulfilled. Every one of those, a clue, a puzzle that led to the next, as he builds this beautiful understanding of the Messiah's character and what he would do. And it shows the heart of God. And it continues to lead us to this understanding that Jesus cares. All through the course of ages, he's been looking at his creation with caring concern and unconditional love. Last week, we saw that Jesus cares even when the divine timing creates delays. Today, we talk about Jesus' caring by divine revealing, how he reveals things to us. He reveals the truth about us. He reveals the truth about the nature of eternal life. And he reveals his own caring humanity, a depth that 
that we had not seen before in our passage. So let's talk about how Jesus cares. He cares for us by receiving us individually, like we are. Individuals respond to the same Christ differently. In John chapter 11, the verses 17 through 37 and uh, other parallel gospels, we find that Mary and Martha, they revealed their responsiveness in different ways to the same Christ. Christ did not change, but they, they came to him and responded to him in different ways. Their character is just what we would expect potentially from an account of sisters. But it could also be brothers like uh, Andrew and Peter and James and John. Sometimes siblings are a little different how they approach things. You might not have siblings like that, but, but we do. <laughs> in, John, uh, in Luke chapter 10, we see this in a very intriguing way. The scripture says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home. She had had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus's or at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had to say. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had to make. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. Most of the time, we look at this passage in Luke and we talk about how Martha reacted and how Mary reacted. And we usually come at this passage with an understanding that, well, Martha had this type of, of bent personality that, uh, that maybe is not the very best. But let's look at these two. We can find that Martha is a, a busy housewife. She has the gift of hospitality. Martha's a doer. She goes and does things. She's a a take charge person, that kind of attitude. And she'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. But when the chips are down and there's nothing left to do, she knows that she can go to the Lord and talk with him about anything, as she did in Luke chapter 10. She loves to serve others. In fact, the three times that she's mentioned here in the Gospels, every single time she is serving others. Yes, she's one who speaks her mind. And yes, she's dependable. If you need Martha to be somewhere to get something done, she's probably already there and already doing it. Mary, on the other hand, she is a more reflective sister. She takes, seeks to, uh, to take the moment and live in the moment and be in the moment as evidenced in Luke 10 by her sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his powerful teachings. Mary's a, a woman of few words. 
She's not a typical leader. She, she actually is a devoted follower. She doesn't offer the kind of service or action that other people do, but she does offer herself. And she's capable. She's capable of these tremendous, beautiful acts of worship. As she breaks the bottle of perfume on the feet of Jesus and, and she spreads it around with her hair. She's devoted to the Messiah. The fact is that we need both Marys and Marthas. Say there's a death in your family. Guess what? Mary is going to be there. She's going to sit with you. She's going to put her arms around you and she's going to care for you in that way. But in the midst of your grief and, and your weeping, you still need to eat. And Martha's the one who's going to bring you food. She's going to be the one to make sure that, that your plants are watered, that your dog is fed. And both of them are loving you. We need both. We reflect back on our passage of John chapter 11. The scene changes from, uh, from that first encounter with Mary and Martha, and now we find that Lazarus, he's dead. John 11 verse 20 says that when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Martha was the very first one to be told of his presence. He was the first one to go and meet him. She was. In the conversation that she has with him, she's, she's a bit puzzled by what Jesus said. He says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. There's this hope that God will, that Jesus will perform a miracle. And so Jesus says, well, your brother will live. And this encounter continues. Oh, oh yes, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. It's interesting because here's Martha, the doer. Martha, the one that speaks her mind. Martha, the one who is at times anxious, but it's because she wants to get things done. She's the first one this time to, to meet Jesus. And she's puzzled at his words. But in verse 27, she says, yes, Lord, I... I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And even though she wants him to raise Lazarus, because even at this stage, she knows he can do it. But she accepts the fact of what Jesus is saying. And so in this brave, courageous way, she accepts his word. And she goes away without creating any kind of scene, any kind of disturbance. 
any kind of ridicule or disappointment. She just accepts his word. Puzzled, yes. You see, it's a contrast between Martha and Mary and the death of their brother Lazarus. Because right now, Mary's in her private chamber. She's weeping. She's crying. She is going through a deep grieving process. And when she hears that it's Jesus, the scripture says that she hastily leaves the house and she comes to meet Jesus where Martha had met him. And she falls at his feet and says, Lord, if you had been here. And she weeps and she weeps because of her being distraught. Mary expressed her faith in an outburst of emotion and sentiment in this great loss. Martha expressed her faith in a quiet and reserved trust, I believe. And both of them are under Jesus' care. The same Christ, but two different people, even though they're sisters, they come before him and he receives them just as they are with their attributes, their character, who they are. A mark of security in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is a willingness to accept our experience with Jesus Christ as real, as well as accepting the experience of our brothers and sisters in Christ, even though it might be different than ours. As Jesus accepted a very different Mary and Martha. We react differently to the same Christ, and yet he receives us. Secondly, we find that Jesus cares by instructing us carefully. Martha had shared the viewpoint that was prevalent in her day that the resurrection from the dead belonged to the great judgment on the last day. She said in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That was her belief. That was what was taught. But notice Jesus countered. He said one of the most amazing words to ever fall from his divine lips. In verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Now we've heard that verse a lot. <coughs> I am the resurrection and the life. To put it in the context of the situation that Martha's in and the grief that she's facing how brave and how courageous she is but how she's reacting and Jesus makes this statement that on the surface inspires us but 
the meaning runs deep. He's saying to touch him is to touch eternal life itself. <coughs> you see, eternal life is a personal gift from Jesus Christ now at the time that we accept him. Our eternal life doesn't start at the day that we die. Jesus is communicating very clearly to Martha. It is a different day. He said, I am. He, he didn't say, I shall be hereafter. He did not say, I promise. He did not say, I procure, or I will procure, or I bring. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who believes in me will live forever. It's present tense. It's now. Eternal life is not something to be distributed by Christ at the end of the age. It is a present relationship with him right now, and I believe that is key. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, your eternal life started at that moment. When we die, this, this house that we live in, it's, it's going to be put aside. If you counted up all the houses you've lived in all through the course of your time here, well, you don't want to go back and live in those. You've moved on. It's time for us to lay this house aside. What's eternal is our soul. And when we give our life to Christ, our soul has that eternal relationship with him. That's why we can enjoy eternal life starting now, knowing that we have some human physical limitations but that he wants us to grow and to live for him because we are alive in him. If you know Christ as Lord, you have as much eternal life as you will ever have. You see, it's a quality of life that is eternal because it is the life of God himself. He has come to live inside of you. He's trying to communicate to Martha and he's trying to communicate to us to listen. It's just not on that last day. Every single day we have eternal life. Every single day he wants us to be obedient to him, to live for him. And it's all because of what Christ, the Messiah, has done for us. He cares for us. And so he cares for us in, so, in, in the way that he instructs us clearly on how we should live. And third, we find that Jesus cares by feeling for us deeply. Jesus did not work his miracles passively as, they, as if they, they didn't cost him anything. He was so moved by this scene he was moved by Mary's weeping 
by those who followed Mary who were weeping. The scripture says that in essence, he made inarticulate sounds of mental anguish and stress. He literally shuddered the entire scene as we look in verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He was not deeply moved and troubled because Lazarus had died. Because he knew what he was about to do. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled because he saw ones that he loved. Ones that he cared for. Weeping and grieving feeling sorrow and pain. The songwriter wrote, Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched by my grief. When we go through the struggles of life, the ups and downs of life, and especially the pain that life gives, the pain of grief, Jesus is not out there somewhere sending a hopeful message. He is present within us. Caring deeply for how we feel. He knows and he understands. And sometimes we have to go through that. There's a broader purpose than we understand in our finite minds, but he knows. But even though he knows the broader plan, in the moment, he cares. He feels for us. He grieves with us. The Greek and the Roman gods, well, they were impassive. They were untouched, indifferent. They were apathetic. They weren't connecting. But Jesus reveals to us the deep feeling of God for his own. He's passionate. The scripture says in verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, I know we've read that a lot. We've heard a few jokes about that you know, what's the, the shortest verse in the Bible and this is the one we'd always go to or if we had to memorize the scripture as a child this is the one that we would go to but through that process we, we miss the meaning Jesus knows what's ahead but he weeps because of those who are feeling the pain it's not referring really Jesus weeping to the loud crying of Mary but rather it's referring to the quiet shedding of tears in light of the reality of human grief that Jesus is feeling and experiencing right now 
For Jesus to weep, you see it harmonizes with what we know of Jesus, his humanity. And it carries this idea of Jesus' humanity throughout the book of John. You see, we, we have seen that Jesus knows grief. We see it right here in this passage around this tomb. But also, Jesus knows thirst, a very human trait. When he went to meet the Samaritan woman or when she came to Jacob's well, his statement was, will you give me a drink of water? He needed a drink. When he was on the cross in John chapter 19, he saw that everything was fulfilled and he said, I am thirsty. That is a human characteristic. In John, we also find that he experienced fatigue. In John chapter 4, verse 6, again, he was at Jacob's well. And the scripture says, at Jacob's well, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he was tired, fatigued. And then love. It's a human characteristic. John chapter 20 and verse 2, the first part says, And she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. I identify that because it is a human trait. It's a human trait to love your spouse. It's a human trait to have brotherly love, sisterly love with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus exhibited humanity. But I think the greatest manifestation of his human compassion is outside the tomb of Lazarus. Where he openly wept with this compassion toward those who were weeping, feeling that pain and that grief. This passage in John chapter 11, it demonstrates as no other does, both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He is low enough to understand and to empathize with us, and he is high enough to help us. John Chrysostom, fourth century preacher, archbishop, writer, he writes, something that I think demonstrates this excellently. He said, I do not think of Christ as God alone or man alone, but both together. For I know that he was hungry, and I know that with five loaves he fed the 5,000. I know that he was thirsty, and I know that he turned the water into wine. I know that he was carried in a ship and I know that he walked on the sea. I know that he died, and I know that he raised the dead. I know that he was set before Pilate, and I know that he sits with the heavenly Father on his throne. 
I know that he was worshipped by the angels. And I know that he was rejected by the Jews. And truly, some of these I ascribe to the hum human and others to the divine nature. For by reason of this, he is said to have been both God and man. Sometimes we look at Jesus as only the divine, when in reality, he can connect with all of us because of his humanity. Jesus both shares all of our needs and he also fulfills them. Mm -hmm. Jesus cares for you in his humanity and his divinity. And the real question that I have this morning is this. Will you let him? Will you let him care for you? Regardless of how you come and your attitude and how your characteristic is, like in contrast with Mary and Martha, he receives you. He, he comforts you. He teaches you. He cares by showing that he feels deeply for you. And today, whatever it is that you are experiencing, whatever you feel your need is, reach out to him. The one who is human, the one who is divine, reach out to the Christ. Even in your grief and your sorrow and your pain, and he will embrace you. As a believer, he desires that. He wants that fellowship. And he has his arms open for you. As a person today that does not have a personal relationship with Christ, today could be that very day that you say yes. So whatever decision it is that God has spoken to you about, in our invitation, I ask you, please, rededicate your life, recommit your life, give your life to him, whatever he wants you to do. In this time of prayer, and the time of singing of the invitation, I'll be at the front. You make that decision, and come if you desire. Father, thank you. Thank you for a Messiah, for the Deliverer, for Jesus Christ. Thank you for his compassion and his sacrifice. Thank you for is caring for us in life's most difficult times. But I pray that, Father, no matter what's going on in our lives, we would go to him 
as Mary and Martha did. And help us to listen to him, to let him embrace us and care for us. As we say, Mary's and Martha's belief that I believe. I believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Stand and sing our invitation. seated if you would and as I turn this over to Nancy I just want to remind you those surveys if you wouldn't mind putting those baskets or leaving them on one of the tables we would certainly appreciate that. In both lobbies there are sign-up sheets for a number of things. The men's breakfast which will be on October 3rd Tuesday morning at 8 with Chuck Morrison as the speaker. We need you to sign up men if you are planning to participate in that event. There are also sign-ups for the upcoming Women's Bible Study, which will start on October 12th, and the Men's Bible Study, starting also that day, October 12th. There's a separate sign-up for the Women's Kickoff Luncheon for the Fall Bible Study. That will be on Saturday, October 7th. And if you would like to purchase a book, they're going to be studying Amos. The books are available for $15 each, and you may purchase one in the small lobby today if you would like. The fifth sign-up is for the monthly movie, which will be on the 28th, excuse me. Yes, it is the 28th, is it not? This coming Thursday, in fact, the Ken Sparks story. So if you've not already signed up indicating that you want to come for lunch at 12.30, we need you to do that. The beautiful flowers on the altar table today are provided by Al and Wilma Jackson who this coming Saturday, September 30th, will be celebrating 62 years of wedded bliss. For those who might not know you, would you two stand? 
they are thrilled to do that, I can tell. Thank you for the godly example and thank you for the flowers. We appreciate that. As Marie Stevenson Williams comes to lead us in our closing prayer, would you again stand? Thank you. Come with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we have heard your word. Now as we leave this place, help us to be doers of your word. Guide our thoughts and actions. Let others see you in us as we go in peace and love. In your son's name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and your name, Jehovah. Amen.